0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: living is the life for me.
0: Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, and it is a little different today. Generally, on our third Saturday of the month, we've got Jay Harper in, talking all things nursery garden related. But we had a little change-up this week. It actually worked well for both. The following Saturday, the fourth Saturday of the month, we have Farmer Greg in. Well, this week, they both called me asking separately, could they switch? It's Jay Harper's birthday weekend, so he and his wife, Trina, took him up to the little cabin near uh, Christopher Creek. And Farmer Greg had called and said, you know, I've got the Great American Seed Up next week and I'm going to be too busy to do the broadcast. Could I switch to this Saturday? So it worked out perfect. And Farmer Greg, this gives everyone an opportunity to learn about what the seed up is and maybe just encourage them to get their own fall garden started. If they've never done it before, or they've taken off gardening for a few years. This hour is to get you educated about seeds, excited about growing your own and how to be not only sustainable, but Regenerative.
1: <laughs> oh, I, l- I like it that you use that word.
2: Hello. Can you spell it, though? <laughs> yeah.
1: We are here with Bill McDormand today. Welcome, Bill.
2: Hello, Greg. I'm really honored to be on The Rosie again. This is such a great show. Well, we're
0: pleased to have you all on. This is the first time uh, we've ever done a Zoom broadcast. Farmer Greg is at his farm in Glendale, and we've got Bill McDormand from his location in north central Arizona. I won't disclose it. I'm not sure if he uh, he wants that disclosed, but I'll let him do it if he wants to. I could to. tell
2: you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs>
0: <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Personally, I wouldn't say it either because it's my one of my favorite parts of the state. And it's you know, the last thing you want on something like that is to see huge development move oh, in. <laughs> yeah.
1: So saving seeds, we're talking all about seeds today and the importance of saving seeds. So... Bill, let's just
2: jump in. Why is it important to save seeds? Well, it's important, but why save seeds? Let's just start at the beginning. It's fun. It's easy and it's unbelievably productive. I mean, there's nothing else you can do that'll give you more back. I mean, you know, we try to teach our kids something about compounding interest, you know, when they're young. So they'll put some money away in over a 30 or 40 years and, you know, period. It'll compound. It's an exponential curve. And every time you plant a seed, And you learn to save them you get that in one year you get that exponential increase and so then you can give them away to your neighbors you can trade them and then the magic that really happens and this is gets into the importance is that they learn to adapt to your particular backyard and conditions and i think as modern gardeners we that that idea has not been taught in fact it's almost been taken away from us we think you know we've created this cult of of expertise, like, oh, you know, my seeds will never be as good as those I buy. You know, there might be mistakes, things happen genetically, I just don't know what I'm doing, therefore I have to buy them every year. And nothing could be further from the truth. Those seeds that you get out of your yard that have been through a season with you, start to adapt and change. And we know that now. and We can scientifically see the pictures of it happening in the DNA. And so, you know, this is the time you know, to, to take all that stuff back and and have fun and enjoy and bring some of that exponential return back into our lives, into our backyards. Is there
0: anything well, hardier on earth than a seed? I mean, look, o- <laughs> look over the desert floor and how long between – our rain in the beginning of the year to our monsoons. You know, we had four or five months there of absolutely no rain, harsh desert sun, no shade, rain comes, and all of a sudden sprouts are coming up everywhere. Now, it's not necessarily the seeds of plants we generally eat, but still, it doesn't make the seeds of of tomatoes or beans any less hardy.
2: No, you're right. I think they are the most – there's a picture going around. You can Google it, uh, Methuselah is what they call this date palm tree, that some Israeli scientists found 2,000 year old date palm seeds. Two, they were carbon dated 2,000 years old, and with some help they got them to germinate. And Methuselah is uh, the date palm that they named it, and, and this was about 20 years ago, and that date palm just produced its first seeds, its first dates. Wow! And so you have to realize that this particular species of day palm has been extinct for a thousand years. We have fossil records of it, but nobody's seen one of these trees for a thousand years. And these seeds were so hardy, they jumped over two thousand years, germinated, and now are making seeds again. And so that's probably the world's record. But I've never—I was in the seed business for twenty-eight years. I—I I never got tired of being just totally amazed at how hardy and resilient they were. They just kept surprising me and I knew better and I still got surprised.
0: Internet machine helped me out here on the spelling M E T H U S E L A H. And it takes you to a national geographic article about it from 2015.
1: Very cool. Well, you know, and you mentioned the word regenerative there uh, a minute ago, Romy and, I often distinguish between sustainable and regenerative. I'm not a great big fan of sustainability, although it's a good middle step. Sustainable simply sustains what we're doing here. Regenerative exponentially grows it. When I think about the carrots that I had growing in my front yard a couple of years ago, I harvested seeds off of them and I had an intern come in and this intern didn't understand seeds. And I didn't understand that he didn't understand seeds. So he took my entire six ounces of carrot seeds and planted them in my front bed. That must have been, what, 100,000 seeds, Bill? At least. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Quarter million. (laughs) Probably a quarter million seeds. So the next year, literally, I got a five-gallon bucket full of seeds. A five-gallon bucket full of carrot seeds. That is regenerative. When you plant one and you get a thousand, you plant a thousand and you get 50,000. You plant 50,000 and you get a million. Just like uh, Bill did a project, oh gosh, 10-12 years ago on Sonoran white wheat down in Tucson. Tell us about that Bill.
2: Well we started with a handful. Sonoran white wheat is the first original wheat in Arizona. Father Kino brought it. When he was doing the missions, Tumac, Tumacacris, San Javier, as he moved up the Santa Cruz River. And every time they built a mission, they had to uh, grow wheat because that was the body of Christ. They called it wafer wheat, right? They would make those little white wafers they would have on Sunday for the ceremony. And so they, they took this wheat wherever they went. They It actually came from Spain, and the Spanish got it from the Moors. It actually is one of the world's oldest wheats. It goes clear back to the Fertile Crescent. Wow. and so. This wheat has been adapted and growing in Arizona for almost 400 years, and it almost disappeared completely. Through the industrialization that hit the reservations and the rest of us, we just forgot about it. You know, it's not bread wheat that you grow to, you know, make wonder bread, so nobody cared about any other wheats. And so when I was at Native Seed Search, we found a couple of handfuls, literally and started uh, growing them and increasing it. And I was the director there for three years. By the time I left, we had 1,100 acres of it growing again. And now it's the basis, well, um, you may have heard of Hayden Mills, which is up and running and (laughs) selling local grains again. That was their first grain. Let's bring back the stuff that works here, that's been tried and tested for 300 years, so we don't need to use as much water to get back to what started this, Greg, regenerative. You know, yeah. let's use the right tools. And seeds can embody that for us and and help get us down the road. We don't have to take another 400 years to grow and save these here in the desert southwest to adapt them. Wow, somebody already did that for us. All we have to do now is grow it. One
1: well, one of the things that I love that you talk talk about, and you've been talking about this for over a decade, you compare a seed to a smartphone.
2: <laughs> well, I was trying to relate to all the tech heads at the University right? of America in a TED talk right how do you get them involved if every single one of them was looking at their phone in the audience all 250 people what I said to them that day I was trying I was giving this talk I was charged with trying to get them interested in seeds and so on their way into the auditorium we passed out a corn seed to everybody I had these big beautiful dent corn seeds from the native seed search collection and we pat, everybody that came into the auditorium, we gave them one. This is your jewel. This is your seed. Save this. People are kind of looking at it, and they're holding it in their hands. And so when I got up to talk, I was just one of the people presenting that night. I said, okay, I want everybody to hold their seed up in one hand and their cell phone in the other. All right? You can't use your cell phone. Just hold them up. All right? You got them? I said, okay, you've got just a few minutes to tell me to think about what is the most important technology that you're holding in your hand. Which one? Which is the most powerful um, and, and um, what's the, in, important to you technology? And so then I just have to talk fast, right? These guys are tech heads. So, you know, one of the first things I said is that put your phone in a clay jar in the Southwest for 600 years. Is it still going to work? Because <laughs> I've got some bean seeds here that work and some of this corn, right? So we know the seeds are more durable technology. And then the other the most important thing is that seeds are self-replicating if you have a cell phone you just have a cell phone right it doesn't it does a lot of amazing things but that's all it is inside my corn seed your corn seed is a million other seeds are a million other seeds or more it's exponential it's unlimited they're actually packed down inside there right It self-regenerates and we don't have any technology that do, does that we have 3d uh Uh, printers now that will print 3D printers but they can't do the electronics right they can just do the physical part of it seeds do the electronics in fact they have AI built in they're so smart that when they go through a life cycle they can incorporate changes in their immediate environment into their DNA and then live to another day come back into the seed form last 2,000 years as we talked about and then and then regrow again We don't have any technology that even comes close to that. And if you think about it, take a handful of seeds, put them in your pocket. You could actually go anywhere on the planet and start a whole new agriculture that would eventually be adapted to where that is. That's how we got everything we have. Throughout the planet, 10,000 years of people doing that, created all the kinds of vegetables that we know and love now. That was all done by small, little people, not knowing anything about genetics. So all before Mendel. Just saving seeds from things they liked. We're joined- back, back to what I said in the beginning is that seed saving is fun and easy, and you can actually end up with better seeds than anyone else.
0: We're joined by Bill McDormand of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and Farmer Greg Moore, at Rosie on the House right after this.
2: You're gonna be just what you saw So good
0: scenes, so good scenes. Everybody Everybody, everybody. Continue our conversation with Farmer Greg and Bill McDormand of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. Had a very fascinating first segment. Learned about palm tree that has come back that no one's seen for a thousand years because they found some seeds stored. We definitely went over the hardiness, and you were saying how smart they are and that they adapt. And, you know, you couldn't stick a smartphone in a clay jar and bring it back out a thousand years later and do anything with it. So... What does uh, what it cost for these seeds? Something this smart, what's what's my financial investment into it?
2: Well, let, you know, so we're modern creatures and we've got globalized supply lines for everything. And our companies have learned how to buy each other out and centralize to reduce expenses. And that has been done on spades in the seed world. In fact, we've got three companies now that own and control about 60% of the world's seeds. And on smaller scales and regional, you know, the seed companies are larger than ever. If you went back to like 1920 or 30, there was a local source for seeds in almost every region of the country. And why? Because it made sense biologically. Those seeds were adapted to those people. They knew the names, they knew they worked well, and uh, and people had access to them from their local people that they knew and trusted. Well, that whole system's gone. And so, what that means, you know, as far as um, the cost of seeds, is that um, about, you know, we've got these huge systems that distribute seeds. And those seeds are now almost always grown and packaged thousands of miles away. In fact, you know, I just heard a statistic a couple of days ago that up to 70% of the seeds now from Johnny's Selected Seeds, one of our favorite mail-order catalogs in the United States, one of the largest organic seed suppliers, 70% 70% of those seeds are now grown, contract grown in China. Mm. And so for those of us thinking about regeneration, what climate in China? They're not in a desert like this. I guess there are parts of China, but it's farther north. And so it, it leads up to this idea that if you live in a fringe climate like we do in the Southwest, nobody's producing anything new for you. There's no money in our small region for these big companies. They're creating new varieties where they can hit the sweet spot and sell millions of pounds. And the seeds that we do get come through these hugely centralized systems, and they're um, uh, sent to wholesalers, and those wholesalers send them to distributors, and those distributors send them to what we call packers. And packers would be the people that you, we know about, that you hear the names of. Those are the mail order companies and the, the package seed companies that you see on racks at your local store. And so by the time they go through three or four systems, everybody's marked them up. And to get them that last mile, you know, with packets or whatever is really expensive. And so, as I was saying before, about 90% of the cost of that packet of seeds that you're going to buy is um, all the packaging and all the distribution. And they're not from around here. They're not adapted. They're not taking advantage of that incredible ability of seeds to adapt to where they are. So you're getting a poor product that's 9x priced.
1: At no. least nine next price. The last time I bought a, ba- a packet of basil, I paid three ninety nine dollars for it. They were organic seeds. And when I looked down inside of it, there were about 15 or 20 seeds in that packet, milligrams of seeds. So, you know, that's just, I'm sure at that rate, the poundage price on them is $1,000 a pound.
2: Well, you know and then the other thing is people have, uh, have always been able to save their own seeds so if you don't think you're getting a good deal you could save them but industry's done something really interesting and especially the last 30 to 40 years and that is um, they put the word hybrid on the packet mm-hmm. and so what that means and then taught everybody that you can't save seeds from your own hybrids which is not true what it means is that you can't predict the outcome of those you save seeds from what you grow it may not look like the parents And this is any more than um, humans having children. Uh, Say a blonde mother and a black-haired father have children, and um, they all have either black or blonde hair, and that's fine. Those kids grow up and have kids, and they're red-haired. And you go, where did that come from? So hybrids have a a tendency to do that. The children of hybrids can have red hair. They can have all sorts of hidden characteristics. And so, you know, that could be really good. If you live in the desert, that might mean that they're super drought tolerant. We don't know, but we've been taught that we can't predict, therefore we shouldn't save our seeds. And so we've been locked into this system, the American consumer, you know, and there are hundred million gardeners or more in this country. There are 80 million yards. It's the number one outdoor activity. And more and more of those people with yards are now growing food. And yet almost none of them saved their own seeds. Something that you go back a generation or two, everybody did. Every farmer and gardener in the United States in the 20s and 30s probably saved their own seeds. And they created all this adaptive stuff for the Southwest. And so we've we've had a lot of fun in our nonprofit. That's what we do is educate people to get back involved and to find the varieties that are still around them that are still, we may lose them, but there's still grandparents or great grandparents out there. Lots of times that still have some seeds in a garage or whatever. I heard about a museum somebody discovered in Chicago, that uh, collected seeds for almost 100 years. And they were in museum. They didn't take care of them. They just put them in the museum, right? And so people are taking them out of the museum and they're growing. It's incredible collections of especially Midwest Indian tribes. And so, you know, wherever we find them, we're going to grow them in our region. And we're now we're going to learn how to save them and take advantage of that. That uh, uh, abundance that can come from that
0: and we have the Great American Seed Up coming up next week and we'll talk about that and how you can participate it's a little different if you've been to them in the past you know that they have been in a a big church building but you know lockdowns and restrictions it's kind of changed how that uh, setup is going to go so when we get back we'll have Farmer Greg and Bill McDormand explain how they're going to operate this year's Great American Seed Up happening next Saturday And welcome back to Rosie on the House on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. The mornings have been cooling off. The days haven't been so hot. You're starting to feel that little sense of fall in the air. Fall gardening is right around the corner. Gee, what a coincidence that the Great American Seed Up is right at that time, Greg.
1: <laughs> well, we kind of planned it that way. So the Great American Seed Up, it's a, it's a fascinating story. I went to... Tucson to do a week-long seed saving course that Bill McDormand and Bell Starr offered in 2011. It was the summer of 2011 and it was literally a week in a classroom learning about seeds. It was fantastic. It's a a class that we offer online through Urban Farm U now and uh, Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance offers courses in seed saving as well and during the course it the conversation came up that we don't have a seed bank here in Phoenix. So if something happened, and I've said for years that there's a three day supply of food in any grocery store. And once people understand that there's going to be a food shortage, there's only about a three hour supply of food in the grocery stores. And three hour, three hours. Well, yeah, we saw that happen in March of this year. We saw, massive shortages of the stuff on the grocery store shelves and without local seed we can't have local food. So I've really been encouraging people to plant their gardens but without a seed bank in the Phoenix metropolitan area it kind of makes it hard to get seeds because you know short of shipping them in the only place we can get them is the local nursery or big box stores and they have what's on their shelves which isn't very much. So Bill and I had a conversation what if we put together a seed bank for Phoenix? So I bought a freezer. That's where you store seeds long term. I bought a freezer. It was the biggest non-commercial freezer I could buy. And I bought 1500 pounds of seeds. And I put those seeds in this freezer. Remember it's 2011. And it's like, voila, seed problem fixed. Right, Bill?
2: Yeah. For a few, a couple years
1: anyway. <laughs> uh, for a couple of moments. Yeah. And so then in follow-up conversations that I had with Bill, really what he encouraged me to do was figure out how to get Millions of people saving their own seeds or thousands for sure. So in 2013 or 2014, Bill and Bell and I started a conversation around what would it take to get 10,000 seed savers in Phoenix? What would it take to make that happen? And out of that conversation, it took us about 15 minutes to put together this concept called the Great American Seed Up, which is a great big seed bazaar. We rent the 10,000 square foot fellowship hall at North Phoenix Baptist Church. This will, this would have been our seventh time doing it this year. And we put a ton, literally 2,000 pounds of seeds, in popcorn buckets in this room. And then people come in and buy what they want. It's a package your own seed event. Where scoop the packets, them up. Scoop them up. Where the packets are designed to be five to ten times what you would get in a general packet for half to much less than half the price. So I think our scoop of basil was a a teaspoon of basil, which was four grams. Remember I talked about the packet earlier that had like 15 seeds in it. Four grams is like 1800 seeds. And it was, and we sell that for that scoop for 75 cents. So that literally people can attend the Great American Seed Up, we have classes all day that we give. So people are learning all day how to grow their own seeds, how to store their own seeds, how to start their own seeds. And they can scoop up enough seeds for 50 or 60 bucks to last them for the rest of their life because we're going to teach them how to grow their own seeds. And it's been an amazing, I see Bill smiling over there. It's been a, It's been a mind-blowingly amazing event, hasn't it, Bill?
2: Well, you know, we're up to 700 people. We, we expected more this year. And so, and this is the seventh one. So, we're well on our way to literally getting thousands of people in the Phoenix. You know, it's actually people come from all over the state now and even out of state to come to it for their community gardens and their seed libraries to get them stocked up. But, you know, what we did was find a way to go almost farm direct. You know, I, through my 28 years in the seed industry, I learned who was growing up. And usually they're contracted by very few people who perform the, the job of actually getting them off the farm and into a seed elevator and cleaned up and bagged up in big bags. And so we get those big bags and bring them directly into Phoenix. So there's no middle person. We've cut out about three or four steps, no packaging. And so that's why we can do this for the price that we do it. You're just actually getting you know, higher quality seed because it's fresher. We know who's touched it. We know where it's been grown. And then through my experience, especially I've just learned that um, there are some really great varieties out there. The old r- land races in almost every category of cabbage and carrots and tomatoes. And lots of us have heard the names of some of these like scarlet nonce ca- carrots and um seco broccoli and things like that, that have been around um, for some of them for more than 100 years in this country. And they've been grown in lots of different parts of the country. Now, are those desert adapted? Well, not particularly. I mean, but there's enough diversity in them. And they've been tried enough that we know they'll work for you. They're actually really good. I did trials on all the varieties um, that we sell uh, when i was at native seed search and they're the same varieties that you can if you walk into the store down there many of the same vegetable varieties now and the idea is that we're not here with the end game we're not here to sell you seeds that have been grown and adapted in the southwest i mean that would be the goal for each region to, to again have its own seed company or seed library or somebody that could do that we don't have that so until we get there what we do is find the next best seeds we can the hardiest the ones that are tried and true, we bring them in at the cheapest price we can. We let you scoop them out and decide, and then we teach you all day long how to save them, so that someday Phoenix will have ten thousand seed savers at least, and it's not in the not oh, too yeah. distant future, yeah. all creating their own seeds and sharing them with the people and their neighbors and their neighborhoods around them, and, and in seed libraries, and so. Yeah. It's been a really great and successful project. I'm really proud. I'm really proud of what, you know, you initiated really Greg. Thank you.
1: No, thanks. Well, and it's just a lot of fun. And that goes to my, uh, you know, coming up with these crazy wild ideas, like what if there were 10,000 urban farms in Phoenix or what if we could grow enough food in Phoenix to feed Phoenix and we have enough yards to be doing that. So
2: when they ran the numbers in Tucson, um, in normal years and that, a big if these days sometimes but in normal years over the last 30 years they get enough rainfall to grow enough food in those yards naturally if they just captured and used it all Mm -hmm. in their yards and so that you know rain catchment's a big thing down there and storage so Yeah. yeah we've you know it could be that we've just we've blown a lot of resources we've done a lot of things that are stupid but we've learned a lot, and maybe we've got just enough to have a really wonderful future here. And so I try to stay positive about that, and and seeds have got to be part of that. If we don't have our own seeds, we don't have any chance, at all. So you mentioned that,
0: Father Kino yeah, earlier at the broadcast, yeah. and then mentioned that Tucson gets enough rainfall. It just gotta curiosity you think father kino just stopped in tucson along the san pedro river how much farther north did he keep walking before he's like uh oh, guys let's turn back <laughs> around we we just passed the paradise <laughs> turn this shit back around
2: i don't know you know tucson means um three springs by the mountain so you know there was water there too coming out of the the mountain um yeah, there, you know, San Javier, which is right there in Tucson, is the last mission I know about. Is there an original, you know, Catholic mission in Phoenix? I don't know if, uh, but oh, yeah. I'm not, yeah. yeah. So I think that's where, that was it. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and for those of you that have been down to uh, way southern Arizona, it's pretty
2: lush down there. Yeah, well, I think the more monsoon, you know, it just doesn't come as far north sometimes. Right if you're on 10,
0: as soon as you come around Picacho, everything just starts to change. Yeah. yeah. starts to cook, baby.
2: (laughs) You know, with the diggings they've done with the Hohokam, especially, you know, because of the, the building boom that started in the 2000s down in Phoenix, they've uncovered enough of the civilization that was there to realize that Phoenix really is a Phoenix. There was once a civilization there, and it probably collapsed through lack of water. At least that's the best guess. And so, you know, how do we hedge against that? I guess we find the things that are adapted to that desert now and grow as much as we can right there. So, yeah, go ahead.
1: Or adapt our own, which is really what we're encouraging people to do. So this year, starting back in March with the whole COVID thing going on, we had to look to see, is is there any logic in putting 500 to 800 people in a room in September? So we decided to shift it up this year. And what we did uh, while preserving the, uh, the bulk seed buy, what we did is we put together seed up in a box. And what we're encouraging people to do is to do their own great American seed up. So we supply everything that people need to do their own seed up, which would be the seeds, the packing materials, the instructions, and so we've developed this seed up in a box and It's available ongoingly throughout the fall, where you go to greatamericanseedup.org and you can buy seeds. Now, when you land on that website, uh, the minimum order is $160. But that $160 order will get you, when you package them all up, remember it's your responsibility to package them up, what that minimum order would get you is 25 varieties of seeds, enough for 10 portions each. So basically for $160 you're getting 250 jumbo packets of seeds and it, you know we've we've already seen some amazing responses from this
2: Bill yeah, we have 75. We couldn't do it all. We didn't want to be a seed company. I mean, that was our obvious choice. Well, I've got all these seeds. We've got all these people. Let's just package them up. No, that was, that was, the idea was to get away from packaging them up. So what we did is sort of meet you halfway. We bundled up many seed ups so that um, churches and schools and um, uh, Uh, seed libraries and whomever, you know, garden clubs could buy these bundles and replicate what we do. And so, yeah. And so it's really, really amazing. You get a lot of seed and, and you get it um, still, you know, in such a reduced price because we don't have to do all that packaging and again you you get the expertise that we've you know we've chosen out 75 of the best varieties we think will work in this situation the best selling ones we do we couldn't do everything and this is our first year we're trying to figure out how to get this all the work and so um but over so far this team of people and then maybe the most valuable thing you said greg was the instruction manual it has taken us six years to figure out how to do this. We've invented this thing on the fly. Right? How do you do a pop-up style, you know, Adidas in a parking lot event and get people factory, you know, fresh shoes without any of the other expenses? Well, that's what we've done with seeds. And boy, there are a lot of details. And so we'll help you through all of that in the is our hope. Plus,
1: it comes with extensive education that we've put together in um, in our member portal for anybody that that jumps in, they get edu- edu- education classes, um, all kinds of content.
2: So, right, all, the, all those classes we re- we uh, used to give, we've recorded, and wow, all the technology yeah. we have. This is good. Yeah.
0: Trying to catch up with the technology of seeds. <laughs> we've got one segment left here with Farmer Greg and Bill McDorman of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, and of course, Farmer Greg of urbanfarm.org. We'll be back right after this. Plant in our final segment this saturday morning with farmer greg and you know as always you know we get to the end of the broadcast and we haven't made it through a fraction of the notes and bullet points we've had lined out for each segment so, i want to
1: make sure that we never run out of stuff to
0: talk about i've done that before on radio and it's like oh, uh, what do i talk about next well so i always bring lots to the table i'm gonna hijack the conversation for just a second then give it over to you and bill to to wrap up because uh I got an article I saved from Tuesday's paper of somebody oh familiar from the, uh, the things to do. It, it, not only are you guys busy with uh, seeds, but fruit trees as
1: well. Yeah, our, we're in the midst of our fruit tree season. That came as a surprise to me. That was uh, on the to-do section, what you said, Tuesday? In the
0: Republic on Tuesday, yes, sir. In the
1: Republic, yeah, and it was me on the entire front page of the to-do section. It's like, wow.
0: Well, very cool. That was a great article, and you know, maybe gardening isn't for them, but a couple citrus, a couple apple, a couple peach trees might be more in line with it. I will say, I I enjoy the the orchard side of things more than the gardening side of things, um, just because I don't know I love trees <laughs> there you go
1: fruit dot org is the is my local website for fruit trees here south so let's let's talk though quickly about simple seeds to save and how you would save them and you know there's the there's the seed that every or the the plant that everybody wants to grow, tomatoes, and they happen to be one of the simplest things to save
2: yeah that's the gateway drug to seed saving <laughs> Yep. <laughs> And gardening
1: too, for that
2: matter. Well, 80% of all gardens in the United States have tomatoes growing. And so, you know, there's such, there's so many myths about seed saving. And so, you know, the the biggest one, maybe this, the overall picture to get is that um, there are complicated rules for seed saving. And you do need to know what you're doing. And you can get a PhD, you know, in plant breeding. However, that is all for large-scale industrial agriculture, where they need huge uniformity, where there's millions of dollars at stake in what's going on. turns out that as you get smaller in your scale of what you're growing, the easier it gets to save the seeds. Clear down to us in our own backyards is the easiest, because we can make as many genetics mistakes as we want. We don't have to know what we're doing at all. Because as Carol Depe, who taught genetics at Harvard for 25 years, said so famously, what's the worst thing that can happen if you make a mistake genetically, crossing things up or not understanding what's going on in your backyard with seed saving? The worst thing that can happen is you still get to eat. In almost every case, whatever comes out, you can still eat. You're still gardening. This is all fluff. Okay. And so when we get into seed saving, there are then of the vegetables that most people grow, there are some really easy ones. You don't really have to worry about cross-pollination. And other, you don't have to worry about what your neighbors are growing, about whatever else you're growing in your own yard, because they're largely self-pollinating plants. They're designed to pollinate themselves before their flowers even open. And those things are tomatoes, peppers, peas, beans, and lettuce. So everybody in the garden should be saving those things anyway. And many of us are because they'll go to seed. Some of them will get out of control or whatever. Or we won't harvest them and they'll fall on the ground and come back up as volunteers anyway. Congratulations. You're a great seed saver. Well, right?
1: you, you told a great story about somebody that came into the native seed search store a few years ago, looking for seeds. And we have like two minutes left. So quickly tell that one. Cause that's a great one.
2: Well, yeah. Um, we sold um, bean seeds there in our store and the beans. You could buy a pound or a five-pound bag, you know, to cook. And a woman came up to the cash register with her yellow woman Indian beans, a, 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 a two-pound package. She was going to take a moment and eat them. And she goes, do you guys have any seeds for these? <laughs> and it was like every bean in that two-pound packet was a seed, you know. That's Kind of, you know, we've got to just learn to hook things up, folks. All you have to do is go out, tomatoes, peppers, peas, beans, let your lettuce go to seed. And you are a great seed saver. It's easy. There's nothing really more that you need how to do. You can experiment and make it work. So
1: so the Great American Seed Up normally happens live next weekend the way it works this year is you need to go to greatamericanseedup.org and place your order there and we will be packaging those orders for you and getting them out to you the first week or so of october Uh, so really the way to interact with us this time is to go to the website place your order for seeds and you'll get the education and how to do your own seed up and all every basically everything you need to do this yourself
0: it's all great and virtual except you'll physically get seats exactly
2: and then you can you can use your own social distancing or your own pot or whatever you want to do to do your own seat up
0: (laughs)
1: yeah org is where you find it
0: greatamericanseedup.org. Well, Farmer Greg, we certainly appreciate another farmtastic broadcast, and it worked pretty good out here Woo-hoo. with Zoom. We had Bill McDermott yeah. joining us from a remote location of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. Again, one more time, that website for the Great
2: American
0: Seed Up?
1: greatamericanseedup.org. And if you want to know more about Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, Bill, what's the address Rocky,
2: there? RockyMountainSeeds.org. And if you really want to go, we've got a 10-week... Uh, Uh, seed saving for farmers course on now that's not too late to join so
0: outstanding well we appreciate it gentlemen thank you very much that wraps up our outdoor living hour next is our on the house hour i'm bouncing out of here my son's first pop warner football game is in wickenburg and bounce out not miss that rosie's coming in i'll have a great broadcast about natural lighting followed by the open home hour for open lines at 10 o'clock